You're listening to another hope-filled podcast from Life. For more information about our church, visit lifenz.org. You know, I got uh, a lot in my heart I want to share this morning. Um, and I'm excited about not so much this series, but I'm excited about this foundational principle of having one purpose. And our one purpose is aligning with God's one purpose. And come on, that's that people would understand and would know the wonder of God for themselves. Come on, isn't that an amazing purpose? I love it's not excluded to a few, but we believe that we can be in full-time ministry regardless of occupation. Regardless of your vocation, regardless of where you're situated, you and I can be in full-time ministry by reflecting the wonder of who God is in us. And I love it because as we reflect this light, what it reveals is actually God's love. Pastor Paul said this amazing statement. He says, we are the window through which people see. The lives that we live are what enable people to see into the wonder of who our God is. And that's an, that's an amazing thing. That's a huge blessing. That's an incredible privilege, isn't it? For us to be able to bear His name. The Bible puts it as ambassadors. We get to be people that dress up and live and act as Him, which is awesome. It's a huge thing, but it's an, an amazing challenge at the same time. That... Um, I was thinking about this though, and I had this thought that isn't amazing though, but within churches, and I want to get jumped straight into it pretty quickly, within church environments, uh, we'll often say that if you've got a heart for the term the Bible uses as lost, that doesn't mean people are, are so much, they don't know who their name is and they don't know where their work is or anything like that, but more as a term is they don't have the eternal hope, uh, they don't yet know the security and they don't yet know the peace and the forgiveness and the purpose of Jesus in their life. It uses a word lost, it's like as if we're wandering and we don't know really where we're going. I definitely felt lost before I met Jesus. And uh, the Bible says that if we have this, or we often put it this way, if we have this passion, if we have this desire for the lost, we find sharing our faith with people, something we do on a regular basis, then what we would say in churches is that you would be someone with a gifting of evangelism. You would have the gift of an evangelist. The problem with that is then if we look at our lives and we don't find it easy to tell people about Jesus, if, if we look at our lives to-do list and it doesn't come up on the top five, uh, if we look at the, the natural ability that we have to be able to, to, to start a conversation or to present Jesus to people, it doesn't come naturally, then what we would say is let's negate our responsibility to those who are gifted in it. And I'm okay because I, I, that's just not my gifting. That's just not my style. That's just not how I go about it. I don't really want to be that guy that kind of like pushes a, a you know, kind of a, an agenda of, oh, I don't do that. So then I don't want you to do that and, and make an awkward environment. I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be that woman. So we, we end up leaving it up to a gift set rather than realizing it's a commission for all of us to have. Come on, the Bible says in Matthew 28, does it not? That, come on, we are uh, all called to go into all the world. We're all called to go into all the world. He didn't actually say, hey, th those who find it easy, those who have the giftings, those who uh, you know, have an amazing testimony. Oh, it's easy for you. You've got a good testimony. I mean, you got captured by radicals and then you lived in the jungle and they only fed you chai lattes and seaweed. You're like... Who's not going to want to know Jesus? You know, like Gabrielle comes down in, you hop on back and he pick a bike you out of there. Like, it's easy for you. You've got that testimony. But I'd say for people with those testimonies, it's hard for me because no one has the same story I have. And how are they going to relate? They're going to think, well, their life's fine because they never dealt with any radicals feeding them chai lattes for two years. Like, so... And we try and work our way out of this great honour to be ambassadors <laughs> and carry this hope, this calling, this purpose to let other people know. The Bible says to shine, come on, our light. The Bible says in Matthew 5, it says this, you are the light of the world. 
city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a, a basket or a bowl. Instead, they should put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let's say, let your light shine. Come on, let your light shine. So that people will see your good deeds. They actually see something on your life. They notice the difference that you live with. And then they turn their attention to your God that you know. And they say, He's not that good. There's got to be something more. We are the window through which people see. We are the window through which people see. I see, I don't think that God would actually ask us all to do it if it wasn't in the heart of every person to be actually able to share and to show the love of God. Why would He say, everyone go and do it if it was just for a selected few? But the thing is, if we don't activate it, we don't action it, that which is something that should be frequently used actually becomes something that lays dormant. And the truth of it is, is that it can actually affect the satisfaction and the fulfillment of our Christian walk because we're not outworking and shining the way that we really could. Now, we could be great people. We can have a, a great Christian home and we can be you know, stewards of God, presence of God, all that kind of stuff. But if we're not bringing the one purpose into all of our lives and a part of everything we do, then there's going to be a dissatisfaction. But I know our God doesn't want us to live dissatisfied. Can someone say amen? I believe that the God-intended posture of our lives is to present Jesus to people. The God-intended posture that we are to live our life with is to be able to present Jesus to people. And in fact, this idea of shining our light, that's not the scary bit. The scary bit is that if we do it, something amazing could happen. And then it goes into a place of unknown. And I don't know if I want the unknown. I'm pretty happy with what I know and what I can handle and what I can control. But I love what uh, is it Melanie uh, Williamson, her quote says, come on, our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are more powerful than beyond measure. In fact, it's our light, not our darkness that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who would he brilliant, talented, gorgeous, fabulous? Who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small doesn't serve the world. There's nothing enlightened about shrinking back so that other people don't feel insecure around you. We were all made to make manifest the glory of God. And it is not just in some of us, but it's in every single one of us. And that as we let our light shine, we unconsciously give others permission to do the same. And as we are liberated from our fears, our presence automatically liberates others. I love that quote. I love that declaration because I think it's so true that actually it's not the, the, the darkness, it's the light. Man, what that could do, what that could enable, what that could inject, life-changing, absolutely life-changing. And so two weeks ago, I, um, I really hurt my neck and, um, and I was... Uh, I, I had an accident and I really hurt my neck and, and it wasn't getting any better. I could still kind of function, but there was a lot of pain. And so about a week later, I went to a physio and, uh, and I went along to this, this physio and I sort of told her what had happened and, and she says, cool. And she goes, let me do an assessment. Uh, so, uh, you know, stand over there, face this way. Okay, yep, yep, yep. Face that way. Yep, yep, yep. Move your neck here, here, up, down. Okay, where's it hurt? There's, uh, okay, there's a little bit of movement. No, that's not so much movement there. Oh, does that hurt? And I'm, you know those moments where you're like, does that hurt? And you're like, try not to cry. Um, anyway, uh, so I had that moment. And then, um, and then she, got, she said to me, um, she goes, okay, uh, your, uh, your, your posture's off. And I'm like, oh, hang on, what? She goes, your posture, it's, it's not aligned right. It's not where it should be. And then she lifted and she rotated my shoulders back and she put them into where they should be. 
And, uh, and then she says, what's happened is that you've got muscles in there that aren't working the way they should. And it's not that you haven't got them and all that kind of stuff, but they've been inactive and that inactivity has caused tension. And that tension, although you had an accident, has only actually uh, triggered something that was already there. And that tension that's there is something that we need to sort out and we need to work on because uh, you've lost your movement because you're not using your muscles. And I was like, okay, cool. And, um, and so then she gave me four things that I needed to do to be able to get this active again and get myself into a place where my posture is right, that I'm able to be in a place where I don't restrict my movement, but there's unlimited movement, and that I could do what I was created to do and designed by God to do. And I thought that we would take those four principles and apply them to us. Not how do we all become evangelists, but how do we all shine this light? How do we start reflecting? How do we start engaging this one purpose into our world and enable it to be something that we don't timid from, we don't negate, but actually we embrace? And so the first thing she said to me is, Craig, you need to reset. So she grabbed my shoulders, as I said to you before, and she lifted them back and then she plonked them down and says, okay, that's it. And I felt like I was walking around with my neck stuck out, right? Like, now I always think, the funny thing is, I actually thought I had a good posture. I thought I had a good posture. I thought that was one of my strong points. But isn't it amazing with someone who sees and someone who knows and can see not what's on the outside, but see what's on the inside. It's amazing how they can go, yeah, it's okay. It's got by, but if you want to go and keep living in a place of freedom and remove this, then you actually need to reset. You need to reset. The funny thing is, is this is the thought, is she can reset me and she can tell me what I need to stand like God can reposition us. God can reset us. The Word of God could speak something into us that changes us. But the truth of it is, is I had to walk out of that place and hold that posture myself. See, God could speak something into our life to change us. God could do something, a worship moment may happen. This message may say something that triggers a change in your life. But you walk out of this place and it's not going to be me speaking and it's not going to be so much you reading the Bible every single moment. It's actually going to be up to us to have the discipline to hold that posture to hold that new alignment and go, this is what I'm going to live with. This is what I'm going to walk with. And she reset me. She re-put me back into a, that position. And the, uh, the amazing thing of last Sunday's message is afterwards I was sitting at home and, um, and, and God all, all of a sudden just uh, revealed to me afresh this question of not just where you are, but why are you where you are? See, the thing about this is I'm sitting in my home and if you hadn't heard the story, you're relatively new. Um, for us coming to Melbourne over three and a bit years ago now um, and us being asked to come and be pastors here, which has been the greatest joy in our life, um, we had actually before that, one week before we got asked to come, we'd actually just bought a home, which was a miracle, an absolute miracle and something we'd been believing for for two years. We buy this home, we're so excited. Next week we're sitting with Pastor Paul. I think we even started the conversation with, you'll never guess, we just bought the home. And uh, he finished the conversation with, what about Melbourne? And, um, <laughs> and, uh, and so in all of that and us knowing that it was right to come, God dropped in my heart very clearly this massive piece and on five areas in my life or five various things that I held dear. And one of them was a home for my family. And um, because that had just been a journey that we we're on, we'd built God's house. We continually give deposits away and all that. And I just knew it wasn't something God wanted to go, ha ha. Um, he actually wanted to be able to prove himself ahead of us and good. And so anyway, when I'm sitting in our home last Sunday and I'm, I'm thinking, this is amazing. And, uh, and, and it's the fulfillment of God's promise in our lives. 
It's awesome because what we wanted was a place that people could come over and that, and we've been able to do that at a whole nother level, which has been awesome. And it's been a really cool thing. And, and where we live is amazing. And I felt like God said, yeah, that's part one. What about the rest? <laughs> Not just where are you, but why are you there? Yes, you're in this place. It's your home. It's great. You're using it. Uh, you're loving it. People come around. You use it for church stuff. Great, 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 great. But why are you there? And he took my blinkers off it, not being just about part one of what I have or where I am, but why am I there? He reset me afresh because I had seen God's purpose and His fulfillment to a certain point. We reach that and then we park ourselves. We believe for that job. We get that job. It's part one. It's not the end story. Come on, we believe for that relationship. We get that relationship. It's only part one of the story. Come on, we want to go and study because we feel that's our call and that's what we want to do in that career. Yes, you go and you start doing that. Can I tell you, that's just part one of the story. Moses being saved in the basket down the river so he would not die but grow in Pharaoh's house was only part one of the story. Are you with me? Come on, it's, it's this uh, dynamic that we've got to realise that there's a, a moment we believe God for, but it doesn't stop there. That's actually the new platform from where it goes. The lady at the well, getting her heart restored, realising her true value and identity in Jesus was only part one of the story. Come on, she went on to see the village transformed. There's this dynamic where it's not just ending at that answered prayer, but that's the start of the new season. Esther. Yes, Esther, you found favour, you found blessing, you're in there, the arena of the king. But hey, Esther, that's only part one. That's only the start of really why, why you are where you are. See, you've got an image of our home as it was being built of Google Maps, actually. And oh, sorry, that's, uh, yeah, no, that one before. And uh, that's our block of land, uh, our ski slope. And um, and I thought it was about God's provision and His promise and us being able to have a family home and being able to use it for different church stuff. Yes, yes, but it's only part one. And last Sunday, God took the blinkers off in the next photo. And He said, Craig, why you're there, why you guys are there is not ended yet. It's only just starting. Think about the people next to you who used to be in church, but now they're not in church because they thought it was too much structure and organisation and corporation. Think about the guy across the road who 10, days, 10 weeks before he went in, the family 10 weeks before he we went in and their daughter, uh, they found their daughter dead in her apartment. Think about the guy just two doors up from them who's old and lost his wife uh, in recent years and been living in the area for 40 something years and his kids never come and visit him. Think about the family two doors down with their boys love hanging out with Zion and they come around and play all the time. Come on, what we're stepping into and what we have in our vocation and our education and our sports teams and all that kind is great. But can I say, if we don't have the why attached, then where you are and what you have is only part one. Come on, of what God really wants to do. See, why we are there is not because we have a great home, but because there's people around that I believe need to know. Come on, that through our light, hopefully they can see His love. The second thing she said to me is, Craig, you need a stretch. And I need a hurry. So get your listening ears on quick. But we need a stretch. Everything in me had tightened up. Movement, flexibility through not being used as it should be was restricted rather than it being used for what was crafted to be used. And I was left inactive and I was left restricted. It's amazing because this gift assessment that's happening in Next Steps Week 3, which is happening today, uh, is an awesome assessment, man. It's really cool. 
Uh, we actually did it a couple of weeks ago, and uh, not because I don't know what my spiritual gifts and stuff like that are, but I think it's an awesome refresher to do. It's an exciting thing to do. But what I realized was this. Just because I have the gift, after doing the assessment and it's saying, Craig, ding, 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 you're this, this, and this, and this, just because I have the gift doesn't mean I'm using the gift. Just because I have the gift doesn't mean I'm using the gift. And I looked at it and I was refreshed going, man, when was the last time I did that? When was the last time I did that? When was the last time I did that? Now, some of the answers were like yesterday, like some of the answers were like all the time, but some of them was like, man, I need to step up in that. And there was this refreshment. There's this ability, but to get those things engaged, we actually have to stretch. We actually have to mobilize it and move it beyond what's easy, beyond what's comfortable. We actually have to start enabling this gift to be used, not just in our ability, but in what God sees and His ability. Come on, if we go back to Queen Esther. Yes, she won Miss Persia. Uh, She goes on to be the king's wife. Um, It's true. It was the first fashion parade ever. And... um, the only prize was is that you got to become queen. And uh, that's a different kind of robe to hang around your neck, isn't it? And um, anyway, she goes on. And then we understand that Mordecai, her uncle, hears of the plan of the execution of God's people. And then she says to her, come on, don't you know that you were born for such a time as this? Now, deliverance will happen another way if you don't do it. But come on, this is your time. This is why you're here. It's time to kick in part two. It's time to get that active. And so... She goes and uh, then doesn't just go, okay, cool. Uh, I'm going to go put on my nice piece. And no, no, she engages God on it. She stretches what she's comfortable in and realizes this could mean death to me. But hang on, if this is a God thing, then I've got to go beyond what I can do and beyond what I am able to do. And I've got to step into a place of faith with the gift that I've got. Her gift was being a hottie. It's true. That's what her gift was. She was a got her favor and blessing and all that kind of thing. She was a hottie, but being a hottie, come on, it's it could be used by God in magical ways, like not magical ways, marvelous ways, miraculous ways. I mean, look what it got me. Unbelievable. No, I'm just. But she engages faith three days prayer and fasting, and she goes and stands before the king. She finds favor. Then she goes and has another dinner and has another dinner. And calls Nate. Um, bad man Haman. That's what we say to the kids. Bad man Haman comes in. He gets killed. And uh, it's a great story. And so the thing is, is though, she had to stretch. She had to stretch. We have to stretch. Because we have a God-given gift doesn't mean it's been used with its God-given purpose. Come on, you've got influence. You've got uh, a reputation. You've got position. You've got prominence in different areas of your life. Come on, is it just so someone can go, wow, look at you? Or have we attached faith to it and are we stretching in a way that enables it to go further than it could and go beyond people looking at us? But seeing your good deeds, they glorify. Come on, why aren't your Father in heaven? We need to stretch. I believe God will ask us, what have you done with what I gave you? What have you done with what I gave you? Well, I live comfortably and I I live to what suited me. Did you build my kingdom? (laughs) Did you build my house? (laughs) Did you lead people to me? Or was it all about just fitting in socially and having what everybody else had and living a comfortable life. I've called you to go further. I've called you to stretch. Come on, if we're going to engage this heart for God to be able to reveal Jesus to people, we've got to stretch. Come on, it doesn't all come easy. Having that conversation doesn't know what what I'm going to say. Don't worry. You gave Moses the words to say. He can give you the words to say. We've got to stretch. The next thing is we've got to strengthen. We've got to strengthen. She said to me, I want you to strengthen those muscles and enable them to carry the right posture. 
without you even having to think about it. I want you to strengthen. And I'm thinking, oh, that's, I said to myself, oh, that's kind of good because I've been going to the gym for the last month. I had a gym membership and that was kind of cool. And, um, and then she goes, uh, and I said, that's cool. And she goes, well, okay, this is what I want you to strengthen yourself with. And she gives me this elastic band. I'm thinking, oh, I've been to the gym. You give me some weights. I can do it now. I've been doing it. She didn't want me to go and get an Instagram picture of some muscly thing that I'm lifting. She wanted me just to take something light and start to mobilize. She wanted me to get that muscle working. It's been dormant. It's been doing nothing. It's time to get it moving. What I'm saying is I'm not asking people to go from this place and start running crusades. I'm not asking you to go and pick your local hospital and walk through and tell everybody you're all going to be healed. Might as well take up your mat and walk on home. But we think evangelize, shine the light. Oh my gosh, we better go and be extremists. No, no, just grab something that's going to cause there to be a little bit of resistance. Just start to stretch again. Start to get that thing working. Start to move it. Start to enable it. Because what it's going to do is enable once you don't know the muscle is the muscle grows. So the elastic band's only until I get it strong enough that she says, cool, you've graduated from the elastic band. Well done, Craig. You know, like... It was funny, I was there on Thursday and she goes, now try that elastic band thing again. And she goes, nah, you're poking your bum out. I'm like, here I am thinking I'm doing it really well. She goes, see that point? Yeah, you've got a pretty weak core. You need to you know, keep your bum in. Stop putting your bum out. And I'm thinking, that's really intrusive. Like that is really intrusive. How strong is your core? How strong is the, the desire? How strong is that love that we have for God? Come on, that when things want to just take an easy road, things want to try and accommodate and make it easier because you can r- relax and change our posture back to what it was. No, no, no. Keep it strong. Keep it, yeah. keep it sturdy. Lock it in. Now get that thing working. Come on, for some of us, it might be as simple as buying a coffee for the person next in line. It doesn't have to be big, crazy stuff. It just needs to be light. Buy, excuse me, I'd like to pay for the coffee behind me. And if they ask who said it, just say, God bless it may be as simply as saying to somebody, God bless, when they say thank you or whatever might happen. Oh, I don't know. That's a pretty full on thing to say. It could just be the start. Now, people laugh because they think, oh, we should be all doing that. No, no, no. It actually can take a bit to get this thing going and realizing that people aren't going to reject you. People are going to go, wow, thanks. I thought there was something. Actually, in there, where they say it, oh, I thought there was something different. We've got to get moving. Maybe if we just stopped and helped people. You know the amount of people that are around just need a hand? Nadia went through the airport the other week by herself at midnight with the kids. <laughs> Bags not. And um, it was a mess. But here is a lady that stopped and helped. Led, carried a trolley, <laughs> got through customs, waited for her. Said, I'll help taking you forward. I'll help you get to where you need to get to. Man, there's so much need around us. Do we just stop? Do we notice? Come on. Those at our school, at our workplace, that are talking about others talking negatively. We could just be the person that offers grace and says something nice about them. When they're all like, man, do you know that, that? Do you know that, that? Do you know that my boss here, man? Yeah, do you know my boss? He was amazing, actually. What he did this, this, and this. It doesn't have to be all like, hey, you know what? I go to church and we don't talk like that. <laughs> Stop. Just stretch it. Just get it going. Get something moving because people are desperately needing to see that there's something else out there. Come on, we've got to get this thing moving. We've got to get it moving. Maybe if you hear of a bad situation, you could do something as simple as saying, I'm really sorry to hear about that. Rather than going, oh, hey, do you mind? When I think about you, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray and believe that that situation will change. 
It doesn't have to be full on. You don't have to try and lead everybody to Christ. You just need to be His light. Just be His voice piece. Be His hands and feet. Do something. Maybe here's another angle. Maybe you could start by changing the language you use. Don't speak like everyone else on the construction site. Don't do what everybody else does. Come on, there's another way of shining as well. And that's by not acting like everybody else, but revealing, hey, that we've got some discipline in our life that we don't need to speak like that. Come on, let there be the benefit of others be your driving motive, not what you can get out of it. Be someone that always says something positive about those around you rather than looking for the negative situation. Oh my gosh, it's hard again. Like, just be, be alive, you know? Like, don't have that extra drink. Say no. Put those boundaries up in your relationship. Don't stay over. Have those things. Talk about them with people. Oh, we don't actually do that. I really are hanging out that one day when we get married, then we'll be able to have sleepovers. People will be like, hey, say, what? Like, you know, like, I remember saying that to a workmate when I used to work at a kayaking place and she goes, bull, bull you and Nadia. Nah, really? And I said, absolutely. She goes, man, I wish I had been like that. She goes, I can't think of how many people I've been with. There was, no, there was no anger. And I said, hey, it's okay. <laughs> you don't then come back and go, yeah, yeah, yeah you sure, you sure should have. You sure should have. <laughs> so, hey, you can always start today. You can always make a good decision today. Show hope to people. Here's another angle. Maybe just stop being religious. <laughs> have a laugh. <laughs> oh, look, <laughs> there she is. So serious. You know, like stop being so serious. Be light, be joyful. Stop speaking Christianese. King James was back when he was around. He's not here anymore. Maybe you could go to the pub for a meal. Oh, that pub. Oh my gosh, those people. Go in there. They're really nice. Maybe join a sports team, a fitness class. Interact with others. Maybe get a little stick-on tattoo and just scare yourself. Everybody's going to come back with neck tattoos next week. Eh? Shine! You know. We've got, to, we've, got to, we've got to get this muscle moving. Come on, we've got to reveal something. The other day we went to get, drop Nadia's car off to get the mechanic. There's a lady stuck in the road, in the way. So frustrating. I normally pull over for every person in that situation, but we were late for the mechanic. We had to keep moving. I drive around her. Nadia's behind me. She drives around her. She rings me while driving. And says, why aren't you stopping? I said, because we're late. She goes, you always stop. And I'm like, turn around at the roundabout, go back. An hour later, we got her car to a mechanic. We dropped her off at her workplace. Didn't talk about church at all. Opened up the leads. God, maybe this will help us ask us a question what we do. Maybe this will help her think something, something, something. Not one. But what I thought was cool is when I was talking to one of the mechanics about the kind of car that she had and what the problem was, he goes, oh, descriptively, just decorative language about how much that model is not good model. <laughs> I then told him, oh, well, it's not my car. Because, <laughs> you know, you don't get yourself out of that one. Uh, I said, it's not my car. I'm actually helping a lady on the side of the road. He goes, oh, you're being the good Samaritan, aren't you? And I thought, wow, isn't it amazing that people actually identify good deeds with something biblical, something of faith. So I thought, well, that's enough for me. You know, like... <laughs> Good old Samaritan. Huh. I think the other thing we need to strengthen is we need to strengthen the fact that we've got good news. What you're presenting is good news. <laughs> you're not presenting a water bill. Like for real? You're not presenting a speeding fine? They're not like, oh no, one of those coloured ones. <laughs> 
Anything from that department, it's always bad news. <laughs> we act like that. This is good news. We're talking about help for humanity. We're talking about love that's unconditional. We're talking about someone being, finding fulfillment in their life. We're talking about people discovering the fact that they're purposed and planned by God. We're talking about the fact that it doesn't matter how much they've failed in life, that God has a starting point that can be new and, and transformative right now for them. We're talking about the fact that it doesn't matter how bad it is, God's got better. We're talking about the fact that there's a peace, there's joy, there's life, there's hope. We've got good news. We've got good news for people. You're not telling them they owe $600 and they've lost their license for fun. No, no, you're telling them, hey, you should have lost all of that, but God actually paid the debt. We should have lost our license, should have lost our freedom. We've lost all those things, but God wants to give it back to you in abundance and has a way of living that won't hurt you or anyone else along the way. This is good news. You need to strengthen your revelation that you've got good news. The fourth thing she said to me, Craig, it needs to be a continual focus. This isn't just for why you're in the physio appointment, that you have your posture right, that you're looking at stretching, that you're looking at strengthening. Now, this needs to be a continual focus. Come on, if you're going to get it to where it needs to go, if you're going to get it in a place where the tension's gone and you've got freedom to do what you're created to do, you've got to continually focus on it. I think the enemy has done a pretty good job in limiting us to that we would identify... I guess the freedom of our worship and the freedom of our conversations about God and the freedom to explore the wonder and, to, and, just, and, and, and all of that to be limited in a church context or maybe a connect group or maybe in our, in our worship and Bible times that we have throughout the day. He's done a pretty good job at putting it. I think he's gone the other way and goes, yeah, you let your light shine. Well, I mean, you let it shine in church. <laughs> but often I think sometimes what we do is we take the bowl off here and we go and walk out the doors and we put the bowl back on again. And I think we've got to realize, man, we've got a whole life. We've got 108 hours on average a week that we can let God shine. <laughs> it's not supposed to be for while we're in church in that connect group. It's supposed to be for every element of our life. Do you know that if we were to shine our light just while we're at church and connect group, and if, say, we prayed half an hour a day, that that green is the element of how much we are reflecting on purpose, living for God, one purpose. Six and a half hours out of 108, which is only 5.5% of our week. If that was the intentional focus we have on the godly things in our life, it's only 5.5%. And that's if we have a quiet time every week and we are in a connect group for a couple of hours during the week. Only 5.5%. That's not a lot. Now, please, I'm talking to myself here. And I feel like God's saying, come on, Craig, we've got to shine this light. Come on, it's not just in moments, not just when you're at the gym, not just, no, no, you've got to have this continual focus of presenting. Now, let's say we did do fitness in the morning and it engaged others and we put a God element to that. We put the, His why on our what. Uh, we added His one purpose to that and the conversations that we had and all that kind of stuff, the encouragement we brought to others. Who knows, now we're up to 11.5%. Uh, say we add uh, also in our toing and froing and running about the things to do as we get ready for work. We add God into that. Who knows we need God's help in getting the kids ready for school. Uh, that's 16.5%. Let's go on again. Let's say that we then add in our work, our study, uh, that environment, and we start putting God into the middle of that. His why on our what. Uh, we add not just part one, but the fact that He wants to move in and through that. And we start adding that. We shine through that. Who knows? Now we're up to 58%. This is good. This is good news. 
Next one, say we had our family time uh, and we're hanging out, all that kind of stuff. We have a God element to it. He's leading us and all that kind of stuff. And, and uh, we're not living for ourselves and what we can get, 67%, add on some more. Kids go to bed, you've got some personal time, you're out and about doing your thing. 76%, add on more. We had sad day. It's not a day off. It's another day to be able to shine. Come on. 89%. And then we take our Sabbath and we use our Sabbath as God instructed us and enabled us to have a Sabbath, which is such a refueling time. And we're up to 99%. 107 hours out of 100 hours, which leaves you time for a shower and to go to the bathroom. And I'm all cool if you don't shine in those places. Come on, the enemy would want us to be down. 5.5%. You're doing good. You're a great man. What a believer. What an amazing purpose. One purpose. That's us. Come on, we need to add God's purpose to every element of our life. I'm not trying to be religious. I'm just trying to say, let's live out what God has done within us. And by our good deeds, we're going to show others. Because who knows, there's so many people that are longing to hear another message, hoping that the entirety of what they have in their life isn't where it ends. It's not, it's not, that's not the enormity of what God has. He's got more for them. And we've got this amazing life story that shares a story of Josh who had some challenges in her life until someone and get connected with his world and decided to actually show him and lead him to a place where he could find hope. Let's have a look at this story. Family life was, oh, I definitely had loving parents, uh, really looked after us and really remember my mom always being there and dad being out trying, trying, to make, trying to make money for us and put food on the table. But that also brought, I, I feel, a lot of stress to, to my dad and would often bring that stress home and I can still vividly remember moments where um, I, could, I could really feel like afraid and, and scared at times. I think for me the biggest reason why my relationship with my dad was the way it was in my late teens was really because of the people I was hanging out with. Being away from home all the time, sneaking out of home when I was meant to be at school, leaving school early to, to go out and have fun with my mates and my dad didn't want, didn't really want to borrow me after that. I ended up making my way for, for about a week to, to surface paradise in the Gold Coast. And uh, as you make your way down to the beach, there's a set of stairs and on the left-hand side, there was a bush. And I took all my belongings and I would store them in there. And obviously I'd go to work. And after work, I'd, I would just come back to surface and go party for the night. And that was a cycle. That, that I went through for, for that weekend, I began to realize how much of a hole I was in. I remember waking up one morning and my uncle called me and he said to me, hey, son, did you wanna go out for dinner? I said, sure, that, that'll be awesome. Yeah, so he said we were going out for dinner, but that we needed to stop off somewhere before, before we got a bite to eat. That place we ended up stopping off at was, was a church. And I remember walking into this church and I just sat there the entire night not thinking or speaking to anybody. And I remember when the pastor got up, he got up to speak and he spoke about the prodigal son. And I started to realize how much that story applied to my life at the moment. At the end of the service, I made my way out of the row and I, I walked all the way up to the front end and I stared this pastor straight in his face. And I remember saying to him, 
I want to know Jesus. I want Him to take me home. All that hurt and all that pain, it just got brushed away. And it was just an open door for me just to forgive my dad and show him some love and for me to receive that love back from him. I've got a wife now, I've got a son of my own and that moment taught me how to love my son unconditionally as a real step forward for, for me and my Christian walk. Come on, why don't we thank God eh, for that awesome story. Josh now is actually the youth pastor at our Life South Campus. And his dad is a regional pastor that looks after a whole area of South Auckland. I want to tell you that where you may be now is not where God intended you to be. If you're in a place where it's just hard and it's disconnected and you don't know God, I want to tell you that today could be the start. It could be the first step. It'll only be the first step because God has so much in store for every person. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Life. If you have questions or want to contact someone about this message, visit lifenz.org.